It's the afternoon cruise here on Jazz 88. I'm hanging out with Bill Eddins, who is many things, including a very accomplished conductor, pianist, as well as an entrepreneur and one of the owners of Metronome Brewery. So thankful to be with you, Bill. It's great to be here, man. Let's, let's have some fun today. <laughs> well, we're talking today for a couple reasons about your career as a conductor and your world as a musician, but I just want to identify that you are one of the proprietors of Metronome Brewery, and we work together. You're a supporter of Jazz 88. Thank you for that. And also, I'm the co-owner of Trivia Mafia, and you guys use Trivia Mafia, so I want to get those disclosures out before we get into the task at hand, which is talking about the fact that you're conducting on Friday and Saturday night this week. You're going to be with the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra and at Orchestra Hall. You are going to be conducting alongside Wynn Marsalis, who's bringing the group there. Can you tell me a little bit about the division of labor and what's <laughs> going to go into who's conducting who and what's happening with the program? Yeah, this is a, this is a very interesting thing that I stumbled into a few years ago. I got asked to conduct a program with the Cleveland Orchestra, and it was the Cleveland Orchestra and the Jazz Lincoln Center Orchestra. And it was this piece, Swing Symphony. I found myself a few months later at Severance Hall in Cleveland, and there's the JLCO and right in front of me, and around them is the Cleveland Orchestra. And we're doing this massive piece called the Swing Symphony that Winton wrote, oh, I want to say 20 odd years ago. Uh, but it is for jazz orchestra and classical orchestra all together, and it's in seven movements. And it's a very, very interesting experience. Wynton Marsalis, as you may know, has his feet in a lot of different places, mm -hmm. and he is intimately familiar with especially these two types of music, streams of music. So he gets to he gets to put them together in just really fascinating ways. This is a classical piece that involves a jazz band that is bringing a classical orchestra over to the jazz world and versa vice. It's really super fun to, to see orchestras, classical orchestras, uh, wrestle with this. I'm now, this will be my fourth time doing it. I, I did it with Cleveland, Philadelphia, Detroit, all with the JLCO, and now uh, we get to do it here with the Minnesota Orchestra. It's a, it's a real challenge yeah. for, for a classical orchestra. Witten writes hard stuff. <laughs> I usually use, uh, use a word other than stuff yeah. when my friends call me uh, in these orchestras. You know, they know I've done this before. They, they call me up, so what's this about? And I'm like, Witten writes hard. <laughs> don't, don't be sleeping on this one. Don't, don't be... <laughs> thinking you're going to walk into the rehearsal and sight-read this, that ain't going to happen. Gotcha. It is not going down that way. Uh, but it's the quality of the writing and the idiom of the writing that makes it, makes it really, really, really amazing. Are there musicians in the classical space that assume it's going to be a cakewalk because they sort of go, oh, this is jazz, it's a pops type of thing, I'll look at the charts the night before, and then, and then they get something handed to them at the first rehearsal? I can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny that that may have happened in the past. Funny enough, it's, it's the same thing the other way around. Uh, uh, I know I know some cats who you know, spent all their life in the, in, in the jazz world or whatever, and suddenly they're confronted with playing this then. 
God. <laughs> right? The same time, they they just freak. They yeah. they just what, what do you mean? What, I because I was going to play something else there this time around. Nope. No, no, no. I need this then. Okay. And so, <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, well, let let's let's just say that that the smart ones from either side, you know, pay attention to what's going on and go. Hmm, maybe I'll look at that one gotcha. if it's coming up. It's the afternoon cruise, and I'm hanging out with Bill Eddins, who's getting ready to uh, conduct for the events happening this weekend, Friday and Saturday, at Orchestra Hall uh, with the Jazz and Lincoln Center Orchestra alongside Minnesota Orchestra. I have a question about pulse in these settings. Mm. I've worked with uh, professional conductors only twice in my life, and one time is with Aren't Sarah. you a happy guy? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that just slipped out uh, it was with Sarah Hicks one time, uh-huh. who, who was sure. at Minnesota Orchestra, okay. and Osmo Vonska. Okay. And it would, couldn't have been more different. Yep. <laughs> uh, Sarah Hicks went up to the drummer I was with uh, on the first rehearsal, and she said, you're the metronome, and I'm following you. I'm, con- I'm pulling in the different things. Right. And Osmo walked up to the same drummer at a different gig and said, my eyes are the metronome. Follow me. Okay. So I'm curious when you got, you probably got a world class drummer coming in with Wynn Marsalis and Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, and you got, I assume, somebody conducting Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra that isn't you is no, in, no, no, you're leading the whole no, thing. No, I'm. <laughs> All the musicians look at you. When it falls apart, it's my problem. <laughs> okay. Okay, so tell me your approach to Pulse, and obviously you've worked beyond being a conductor, you've worked as a pianist. What do you feel when you're working with a, a pulse-centric music like jazz in this space? Yeah. Huh. Well, you know, the first couple times where I did works like this with the JLCO and with orchestras, I'm pretty sure uh, that I was erring in the direction of just follow the drummer Got for it. the love of God. <laughs> uh, the problem being is that there are, of course, whole swaths where the drummer isn't doing anything or I have to set the tempo or this and that and the other. Now, after having worked with, with them and in this context, at least a half a dozen times in the last couple of years, I'm, I'm more comfortable because I, uh, I understand <laughs> you were, you were saying the pulse, right? Yeah. I understand the pulse and it, you know, those of us who have spent a lot of time in music know that there's there's a huge difference between beat, rhythm, and time. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's this is a beat. <laughs> this is, this is the rhythm. <laughs> but if you don't have time, if you yeah. don't have that feeling where you're you're just kind of in the pocket, yep. they call it in the pocket, it gets a little square. I can remember one time, uh, I think it was the second time I worked with JLCO on this piece, and I wasn't getting, I was getting the, 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 I was getting the tempo right, I wasn't getting the time right. And uh, Carlos, who's the bass player, okay. right, is <laughs> a great guy, you know, and he just piped up, he's like, yeah, you know, it, it's more like this in the, in the rhythm section just started doing this groove, and I'm sitting there going, that is the exact same tempo. Right. That is the exact same tempo. I, I would be willing to bet my entire life's earnings, but the groove is different. different yeah. <laughs> the time is different. And after a while, I go, okay, it's, it's, it's just got to be like this, you know? And 
Funny enough, I mean, this that that's something that is very similar across the, the two genres. Yeah. Mozart is either right or it ain't. And it can be a different tempo, so it can be a different rhythm, you know, but it's it's either right or it ain't. And if it ain't right, oh, it's just, it's the most annoying thing ever because it's Mozart and it should be right, man. It really should be right. <laughs> right? So, you, you know it when someone just kind of has a feel for Mozart. And the same thing, you know, someone just has a feel for, you know, a, an up-tempo Charleston. Yeah. Can, can just kind of let it go and it's easy. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what... It's one of those things that makes working with the JLs you know, so much fun. They can just get into these grooves, and it's just that's where it's it has to be. Well, I mean that's <laughs> it's it's a it's a beautiful opportunity, and I imagine that from those artists from the Jazz and Lincoln Center Orchestra coming into town, you got a limited amount of days, hours before you're performing for an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you walk me through a little bit? Uh, for those of you just tuning in, you're with the Afternoon Cruise, and I'm talking to Bill Eddins, who's going to be conducting not only the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, but also the Minnesota Orchestra for a series of shows this Friday and this Saturday. Can you walk me through from, from the day on Friday, when do you meet the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, and when are you in front of an audience, or do you guys do rehearsals on a Thursday? Rehearsals for, for this particular, for, for these concerts to actually start on Wednesday because okay. we're starting off the, the concert with the Symphonic Dances of West Side Story, yeah. Bernstein. So we have a rehearsal Wednesday morning, and that's just me and the, and the uh, Minorque. We're doing that rehearsal, all right? The Symphonic Dances are enough of a, a part of the repertoire that I'm actually not expecting that I would need the entire rehearsal gotcha. for, the, for that one piece. I know this orchestra. I mean, this orchestra gave me a job 30 years ago. I, I, I know what this orchestra is about. They don't suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be a little surprised if we, if we had to spend the entire rehearsal on this piece. I know they can play it. Let's try section C again. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. At some point, you're just going over and yeah. over, and you need to go, okay, that's going to be fun. So I could have, at that point, said, well, yeah, we should add the Swing Symphony on, because there are parts of the Swing Symphony, it would be worthwhile for us to just look at as an orchestra. In many ways, I suppose that could be prudent. But I have learned that the best way to, to, to make this work is to do what good musicians do, is to put everyone in a situation where they listen. Mm-hmm. They have that opportunity to go, okay. So I know I've got this lick coming up, and it sounded like that lick over there that that person played 30 seconds ago. That means I need to play this lick here kind of like that. This is where the, the cross-pollination needs to happen. Because in order for the, for the minorque to really get their heads around the piece that they're tasked, to perform on Friday, Saturday night, they've got to hear it in context. Yeah. And the only way to really do that is to have the JLCO there doing what it is that they do. Yep. And at that point, good musicians and good orchestras go, oh, okay, so that's how it's supposed to work. And you, and you get this, this pollination effect yep. of how things come together. And it's as I said, it's super fun to watch this this process. And this will be my fourth time doing it. And it's just 
there is there is such an incredible level of 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 respect that starts to happen between these orchestras because the orchestras that I've I've been mentioning Cleveland Philadelphia Detroit Minnesota Orchestra these orchestras do not suck right these are some of the best orchestras in the world right and they find themselves surrounding another orchestra and I can make honest to God I could make a strong argument for the fact that I get to stand up in front of the best orchestra in the world on a regular occasion. Because when the Jazz and Lincoln Center Orchestra is on, I mean, first of all, when they're just doing their regular stuff, they're already the best jazz orchestra on the planet, right. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> just kinda, I don't think that's controversial. Hands down. <laughs> yeah. Okay? When they're just in a group, it's terrifying. And, I, and I'm the guy who's standing right in front of them, you know, yeah. right in front of the saxophones. I've heard things, I have heard things you would simply not believe. Wow. You would just not believe. And, you know, I'm not a jazzer. I went to a great jazz school, so I had a lot of friends who were jazzers. Uh, I went grew, to Eastman? Is Eastman, right? Eastman. Yeah. Um, I listened to a lot of jazz growing up, and I continue to, to listen to jazz and love jazz as a as an art form, I think the greatest art form of the 20th century. I don't play it. I Not just, sure. I got sidetracked doing my Mozarts and my Beethovens. And I also got the Eastman and Byron Stripling took a solo one day on something. <laughs> he was in my class and I just said, I'll just have the Mozarts. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was my, it's like, no, I'm yeah. just, I'm not even going to try. Right. But I've heard a lot of great jazz in my life. And man, when these guys just start going, it's, just it's jaw dropping, yeah. You know, and I and I'm the, I'm the guy who gets to stand there. <laughs> it's it's so great. It is so great. <laughs> You're hanging on the afternoon cruise, and I'm hanging with Bill Eddins, who's conducting the Minnesota Orchestra and the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra on Friday and Saturday over at Orchestra Hall. Uh, our time is soon to wrap up, but I gotta wonder. Did you got called to do it with the Cleveland Orchestra? Yeah, and now you've gotten called to do it four times. There's yeah. probably folks who get called to do it once. Yeah. Did you bring something special to it that the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra said, "We want that guy. Fly him out." I, I, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so because I will take I mean, every single opportunity to stand in front of them. I will willingly. Take. Right. And I've done a couple other pieces where I, I don't care what it is. What if they want to do variations on Marietta Little Lamb or something? I'd be I'd be happy to stand there. I learned, I've learned more by just standing there and listening to those guys in rehearsals or in concerts and just talking to them. I have learned more about jazz music than in, in my 57 years on, right. on the planet yeah. of, of being with some of the best of my generation right. and certainly listening. I mean, grew up on things like the, you know, the Duke Ellington songbook, you know, yeah. and Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, and, and, and the bebop era, the 50s, and my parents had a huge record collection of, of jazz, over a thousand albums. And, but oh, there's something about being around those players. It's just, you just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, <laughs> the very first time I did this with Cleveland, I, I'm sure I was pretty much a disaster because I was just trying to figure out what I was here. Honest to God. Honest to God, just going, how, how do I process this? And I, I figured out eventually that I process it the same way I process any other kind of music. You just have to realize that you're in front of a truly, truly great orchestra. Yeah. 
two. Two. <laughs> and, and, and then it's times two. Does that mean – I got one more technical mm-hmm. question. Does that mean is the, is the score twice as big? It, the score is huge. Okay. Is your music stand like thirty? It's not quite, but the the score the score is pretty freaking huge, you know. And it's in two volumes too, so because there's just so much music in there, and uh, it's it's just got to be that way. So now, now I think I'm actually starting to get a handle on this particular piece. Next month, I have to do All Rise of of of, of Winton's All Rise for the second time, and I was looking at that a couple weeks ago. I've never seen it. It is. I've, I've, I've never seen that page in my life. <laughs> Not once have I seen that page. Of course, it has my markings on it. So, so maybe I have seen that page, but I don't remember. <laughs> so I have to go back and, you know, dig on that one again. But That's always the embarrassing thing. I'm listening to a track and go, who played bass on this? Yeah, and they they go, you did. Me. Go, oh. Yeah. Wow, it. I sound good. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I'm blown over by, what I'm inspired by is that you have something that could cause so much fright and tension. And all I hear from you is exuberance, not really about your performance or your profile, but about who you get to be around. And that's, to me, that's the right way to stand at any position in the bandstand, is to just be excited. It's gonna be what it's gonna be, but. Um, but fear is a wonderful motivator, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I mean, when you look back there and you realize that your fourth trumpet is Wynton Marsalis. Yeah. You know, I go, oh, I don't think I'm going to screw this one up, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, th- this, is, this is really inspiring, Bill, and I appreciate you taking the time. The Thanks, shows Sean. are on Friday and Saturday. They happen um, at Orchestra Hall in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, did we cover everything? Do you think uh, the good people listening to Jazz 88 got a good sense of what's coming up for these concerts? Well, I hope so. I hope they can find tickets. Last I heard, it was getting pretty close to sold out. It's it's going to be a pretty raucous event. So. Yeah. Well, one, a couple of lucky listeners uh, got them from Patty this morning, which, nice. is, which is good. But, uh, yeah, it's a hot ticket, but um, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing performance. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with Jazz 88. Thanks, Sean. Sorry.